1: with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com credit card. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping,
0: free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo
1: Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash tirerackcom The way tire buying should be.
0: The Volume.
1: NFL fans, it's time to unwrap nonstop football action. This holiday season, throw down on the big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five bucks On the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now with code JOHN, J-O-H-N. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-78-9777 or visit ccpg.org Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dkng.com/football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and and responsible gaming resources. Okay, that time of the day again. Middle cough, mailbag. Middle cough, mailbag. Way you get in very, very simple. I have a little thing called an Instagram account. At John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff. DMs wide open. Fire on in. As everyone did today, starting with my man, Michael C. Big fan. I know we talk a lot about the Patriots, but the quarterback situation is such a big deal. And filling after Brady is close to impossible. Agreed. With a high draft pick, what do we do? Draft or trade for a veteran? Thank you. Well, obviously the first order of business is the coaching situation, right? What they do with Belichick, they get rid of Belichick. Do they let him come back for a year? Do they add on a GM? How that all works. Then I think, if it is Bill, will he go cutthroat like he has before and get rid of Mac Jones? I do think if a new guy comes in, Mac Jones is a dead man walking. Bailey happy. Maybe you roll it back, let him be the backup. Uh, maybe not. Maybe you just start from scratch, right? And to me, they're going to draft a quarterback. Like they're going to be drafting really high, and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them drafting a quarterback. Now, you could push back and say, give it a year, take a deep breath, maybe see if Mac Jones can play a little bit better football, use all those high picks. Because remember, when you draft, you know, it's hard to know how these last couple weeks will shake out, but let's just say they draft third. If you're the third overall drafting team, you draft third in every round. So if you hit on four out of six I don't know exactly how many picks the Patriots have, but let's just, you know, for argument's sake, say they have a pick in every round. You hit on four guys, and two of them are impact guys, Another two guys are starters, like, you've improved your team drastically. It's why we're so hard on bad teams. You get great picks in every round. So to me, it comes down to, do you just get rid of Mac Jones? Do you trade him for a box of balls? Or do you roll it back for a year if a new coach take a deep breath, See if he's got anything left, you know, with some new and improved guys around him. I I think this all gets back to any conversation. It's like when we talk about the draft in late February, early March, it's like, well, I got to see what you're doing in free agency because what you do in free agency impacts who the draft, like, who should we draft? Especially if it's not a quarterback team. Well, do you sign a starting right tackle in free agency? Because if you do, you might not draft a tackle if you're drafting seventh overall. And maybe you lean drafting wide receiver or defensive end. So it's like there's a timeline, right, in order of business in the National Football League when you suck. First, season ends, coaching staff. What are we doing? If we're blowing out the coaching staff, bringing in a new guy, if it's Mayow, if it's Jared Mayo, like, does he like Mac Jones? Does he want to get rid of him? If it's not him and they bring in someone else, like, to me, they're just such major question marks. It's hard to jump to, like, level four, when we don't know level one yet. And on the most basic level, I would say the you know the thing no one's ever questioned for 25 years, who's going to be the coach of the Patriots? It's always been fucking Belichick. Well, no mas, probably, we think. I'm a Vikings fan, and what do you think we should do about the quarterback position? Kirk not getting any younger, and there's clearly no successor on the team. Do we keep Kirk short-term, or do we give him a long-term contract? To me, this always comes down to the money. Like, that's... Like, I think we got to remove our emotion with players uh, when we're talking about it as grownups and talk about their financial impact on a team, right? To me, Kirk Cousins, the way he was playing, the Vikings 100% would have been in the playoffs if he had stayed healthy. They they honestly might have competed for like the fifth seed. They would have won 11 games, maybe 12. I mean, hell, they still might win nine, but... You tear your Achilles. You're not a good athlete at 36 years old. Like, I, I, I can I incentivize a 20 million dollar deal? I mean, this guy used to making 35, 40 million dollars. Can I give you? Would he take a one year, 10 million guaranteed up to 30 million dollars if you play in all the games? But you, you also got to look at it from the Viking standpoint. What if he's never the same? And even if you give a guy 10, 15 million dollars just guaranteed and it backfires in your face. So now, the good thing, I guess, for Cousins' side is they don't really have any other options. There were a lot of question marks coming into this season, their love for that guy, right? It did not feel like they were fully on board with Cousins, but then he was so good, they like started singing his praises, at least the head coach. The moment you tear your Achilles, though, at his age, and I know it's never been easier to come back from that injury relative to you know modern medicine and obviously... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I guess we'll see in 2024 when he actually plays. But it does impact the money. Because let's just say, let's use a hypothetical here. Aaron Rodgers had just torn his Achilles this year and was going to be a free agent. How much money would someone give him? He'd obviously, someone would still take a flyer on him. But would you give him one year $40 million? Aaron Rodgers, 40 years old, coming off Achilles? Someone probably would, but I I would be hesitant to do that, to be honest with you. Similar question. Going into year, this is about Cousins. Going into age 36 season, torn Achilles. If he's not, uh, back in Minnesota. If not, where's the best fit for him? Well, this is the thing, and this is what I think Cousins is going to try to do. He clearly has spoken to a lot of people on and off the record, does not want to leave Minnesota. So if you know Minnesota's kind of desperate and they want to keep you, you know, you you still want to get the most money possible do you use New England, Atlanta? To me, like, the Atlanta Falcons would have been all over them if Cousins had been healthy and Minnesota didn't want them, right? Uh, the New England Patriots would have to be all over them if in that situation. I, I do think the injury, though, throws in a curveball, and depending on where all these other teams draft, now New England's going to draft so high, why wouldn't they just draft a guy really high? But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think people will be very interested. I, I just think, and listen, I... I pride myself on having a pretty good gauge what certain guys are worth I, I think it's fair to say he's a great wild card like what, what what's Cousins worth on the open market I I, I follow him on Instagram like a couple weeks ago it looked like he was in like Tulum or you know somewhere in Mexico and he was on one of those scooters so it's like but free agency is not that far away I mean by by the time New Year's hits free agency usually opens up around March 15th so you'll be 75 days away. Dude's on a scooter in December. It's not like he's going to be running around, so he won't be able to pass the physical. I think he's one of the great curveballs this offseason. I can give you educated speculation on a lot of things when it comes to the NFL. I, you could argue I got no fucking clue. Neither does anybody. If you are the Raiders, and Penix and Daniels are there on the board, who are you taking? Also, how do you get a job... As an NFL security guy. Well, I'll start with Dom. Big Dom. When I got hired by the Eagles, Dom had just taken over. And before, he was like the number two guy for a guy named Butch. And Butch, I I, I never met Butch. Well, I did one time. He came in the office one time. I think he was former law enforcement. So I would imagine. Now, I don't think Dom has a law enforcement background. Could be wrong. I love Dom. It's just like anyone that ever met him loves the guy. Dom just knows a lot of people and is in tight with the, uh, the law enforcement around Philadelphia. I would imagine if you went around the NFL and you uh, did like, I imagine most of these guys aren't on LinkedIn, but if you did the equivalent of like, what's their LinkedIn? A lot of guys, you know, former SWAT, former FBI, former something like that. And because I, I think you have to have a law enforcement background to to do that job. Right, because you're just talking running security for an NFL team, guys with a lot of money, guys that are public figures, guys that targets in the sense of just, just a lot going on. So I I, I would imagine that that background and law enforcement under some sort of uh, umbrella, right? They're they're all probably a little different, locally, federally. Uh, a lot of them probably have a lot of different pelts on the wall for stuff like that, and then the Raiders, I. I Listen, I love Michael Penix, the college player. I think when it's all said and done, I mean, I'm tempted to put like five ten thousand dollars on Washington in the playoff. Uh, it'd be I'm tempted to make honestly the biggest bet I've ever made. The biggest bet I've ever made is probably like twenty five hundred dollars on an individual game, and I've only done it. I'm I not I don't bet insane amount of money, but that's why I got to be careful because I can get a little ahead of myself. I am very very confident that the Washington Huskies are going to win that game. And I'm betting on Kalen Dubor, and I'm betting on Michael Penix in that spot with a month month to prepare against Steve Sarkeesian. I, I think they have the coaching advantage. And I think the talent, you know, is relatively equal. But I, I also, I want my quarterback to have mobility in the NFL. I, I just think it's a must. I, I think without mobility in the NFL, with how terrible offensive lines are, that it's just, it's you're kind of a sitting duck. And... Um, Listen, it's crazy to say, because I I thought Jaden Daniels was average as his day is long about 18 months ago, but he's improved a lot, and young guys improve, just like men. We mature, (laughs) you know, some of us later than others. So I I would say that Jaden Daniels, to me, uh, is a better NFL prospect than Michael Penix. Also, Michael Penix has torn his ACL multiple times. So you're talking about a guy who's been in college about eight years, who, again, I'm not trying to talk shit. I love the guy as a player. But he can't move and he's been injured a ton. Do you think Philadelphia paid Jalen Hurts too early? Possibly because of how much the media loved him? I don't think the media had any influence on the reason they paid him. I think they simply paid him because, one, they fucking love the guy. Uh, what he, the, His improvement over a two-year span, his mindset, his work ethic, the way he is in the building, uh, the way players respond to him, everything that he is the opposite of Carson Wentz. So I, I, I think the reason they paid him was everything they learned in 2022 about the guy. And then the game that he finished off, the, he was he outplayed Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Like he was fucking incredible in the Super Bowl. So you have a guy who checks every box off the field, who's a really talented player, who then plays his one of the best games he's ever played in the Super Bowl? What are you supposed to do? Yeah, we'll just we'll run it back. We'll see how this goes. Now, hindsight 2020, you go, well, they shouldn't have paid him. Well, then he'd be a free agent this year, right? It'd be, what would they do? They wouldn't let him walk. <laughs> He's just going to be their quarterback. So they would franchise him? Would they extend him now for less money? It's just, listen, you can come off a bad year, you still get paid. Dak Prescott shattered his ankle, still got $160 million. So I... We can argue till we're blue in the face about quarterbacks, the right time to pay them certain guys, are they overpaid too much money, whatever. It, it, it's a complicated situation. Bears fan. I feel like not enough people in the media are talking about the red flags with Caleb Williams, his height, tendency to hold the ball, major hero syndrome. Didn't play well against top teams like Notre Dame. What are your thoughts? Also, what do you think of, uh, about Drake may also he comes from Lincoln-Riley offense, and we've seen guys like Baker and Kyler come out uh, and struggle. Well, I, I would say Kyler has been relatively successful. By his you know, third year, he had the the Arizona Cardinals in the playoffs, So, and, and Kyler's a big-time talent. Baker also led his team to a playoff. Now, those guys for the number one overall pick, especially Baker, he's on his, what, third team? Kyler's going to be on the Cardinals for a while. Uh, to me, Kyler's a legitimate number one overall pick. Clearly, Baker... Wrong pick. Should have been Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the NFL is talking about... You got to separate. What the media talks about, most of them don't know people in the league. I mean, a, a decent amount of them do. Like some of your main beat reporters and some of the main national guys. But also part of the media and just the job of talking about it is like a hype culture. There's not really a hype culture internally in the NFL. So all everyone that's gone through USC, every person that's scouted them, and every GM that's watched them on tape are talking about these things, right? I mean, a couple years ago, he's writing Fuck Utah on his fingernails. Like, I, I'm sorry, I yeah, just never forget that. Like, I like Jameis, and, and, I, and I like that he's matured a lot, but he was also in a situation with an Uber driver. <laughs> like, it's, it's hard for me to ever take you that seriously after that. Now, you can say guys dramatically improve at a certain age, they turn a corner. Okay, and listen, the Caleb thing's not an end-all, be-all, but yeah, he's got red flags. Yeah, he's not some all-time great prospect. I heard that about Marcus Mariota once upon a time. He's an all-time great—he's the next Steve Young. It's like, no, he's not even that accurate. not the next fucking Steve Young. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, I I think this quarterback class went from early in the season looking like him and Drake May is about as good of a 1-2 as you can get. Like, obviously, RG3 got hurt, but luck, RG3. Like, two elite talents. Like, Caleb Williams a really talented guy. To me, he's not a lock to be a franchise quarterback just because— Every quarterback beside Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, and John Elway are not a lock to be a franchise. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence's a good player. I mean, is Trevor Lawrence the starter there for twelve years? I don't know. I don't feel great about it. Things change fast in the NFL. Hell, we thought Carson Wentz one year was gonna win the MVP. A couple years later, he's not even on the fucking team. So Drake May to me I wanted to love and I liked him a lot coming into the season, based on everything I was hearing, based on watching him a little bit as you know, the previous year, down the stretch he was terrible. He really was. I watched a decent amount of him this year. And, like, I I wouldn't stake my career on it. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. Things also change. Justin Herbert was the third quarterback taken in his draft. Been listening to you for a few years and now really appreciate your honest takes. I won't even rip you for your Rams preseason. What are your thoughts on this? Brock Purdy is an MVP candidate, but how would he look if Trent Williams was out the year, Christian McCaffrey played two full games, and Debo Samuel missed the second half of the year? That's the Packers situation. (laughs) Well... Yeah, it wouldn't be as good. I mean, I, what do I want me to tell you? What if I take Diggs and Cook away from Josh Allen? What if I take Kelsey away from Patrick Holmes? I mean, we can play that on every quarter. What if I took Jerry Rice away from Joe Montana? Marvin Harrison away from Peyton? Gronk away from Tom? Like, you need good players to look good. I don't really know what to say there. Uh, he's awesome with those guys. How's he going to look without them one day? I don't know. Let's cross that bridge when we get to it. But, like, we could play... Jordan Love, for the majority of the season, hasn't been that good. He had a good little three-game stretch. I'm fairly new to your podcast, and I enjoy listening through my workday. Question for you. Bill's fan, and I was listening to your Nick Sirianni presser on Twitter today. He mentioned on the last series, I was listening to the Nick Sirianni presser. He mentioned on the last series, they were throwing the ball deep for a pass interference on a spot foul call. Spot fouls are one of those calls that you love when your team gets one, but despise when it goes against your team. Do you think the competition committee looks into negating a spot in the final two minutes of the game and making it a regular 15-yard foul? Honestly, I would be okay. Universal rule, just like college, 15-yard penalty. Like, you can't get 80 yards on a pass interference. It doesn't even feel fair sometimes. Like, you get to a 70-yard bomb when the ball wasn't even close to being completed, even if it is legitimately pass interference with, you know, half of them feel like a coin flip. I like the 15-yard penalty. That's how I would do it. But I, I can't tell you what the pass or the competition committee is going to do. Who knows? Brock Purdy wins the MVP and the Super Bowl this year. How far up the all time ladder does that put him? Ahead of guys like Ben, no MVP, or Matt Ryan, no ring. Does that put him in the top fifteen? No, no, no. To be put in a list as an all time player, you have to sustain it over a career. In all sports, we have seen Brady Anderson once hit fifty home runs. Right? But we don't call him an all-time great home run hitter because like, he didn't do it over and over. And clearly, we know kind of why he did that. It's why you could even argue about Barry Bonds. Like, well, he definitely juiced. Well, yeah, he was fucking an all-time great player before that. The reason we talk in such high regards of, I'll just talk about the guys in my generation, Breeze, Manning, obviously Brady, Rodgers. They did it forever. They were good year in, year out. It's why Eli Manning is such a polarizing argument. It's like, well, he had the two great playoff runs. He had a couple other good seasons, but he had a lot of clunkers. Part of being an all-time great player is every single year. Like, why is Aaron Donald going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Because every fucking season that he plays, he kicks ass and takes names. Trent Williams, like, why is he one of the great left tackles? I don't know, because he's been a great left tackle now for a decade and a half. Lane Johnson, why, why is he one of the great right tackles of all time? I don't know. He's been a 10-plus you know, year starter. All pro, all the time, right? I mean, Jason Kelsey, 35 years old, still an elite player. Travis Kelsey, he's got a decade worth of resume. So, a, Brock Purdy would have one of the great individual starts to a career, but as an overall career, it's not even, we can't even have a conversation, right? Like Terrell Davis, he had one of the great two year runs in NFL history. Is he one of the greatest running backs of all time? Of course not. Because part of being an all-time great running back. Barry Sanders, 10 years, 10 Pro Bowls, 10 All-Pros. Emmitt Smith, all-time NFL rushing leader. Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson. You, you got to do it like anyone can have a hit song. Like do you fucking, uh, Metallica's been doing it for 40 years. Rolling Stones are still torn, right? There have been a lot of one-hit wonders. I'm not saying Purdy is, but I, I don't even think we can begin to talk about his career. Not even possible, <sighs> Watched every episode. I like this guy. Long Patriot fan, long-time Patriot fan. The franchise is in shambles currently. Bill is on his last year, potentially second to last, if they let him play out his contract. And we have no talent on the roster. What do we do in the upcoming draft? Knowing Bill, he trades down from life lifetime supply of seventh-round picks, but I'd prefer see us take a receiver like Harrison or Adunze or O-Line. I get our quarterback room is pitiful, but unless we magically get first overall and grab Caleb, we might as well take skill positions. That's why I said, depending on who the coach is, even if it's Bill, there's no guarantee that they don't, maybe they sign Cousins, like one year, $20 million, and just draft a bunch of players and figure it out the following year. I, I definitely think that would be on, you know, a possibility. I, I don't think it's guaranteed that they're taking like Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix.
0: Allstate State wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats.
1: See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you were just hired as the Giants GM, how would you turn the franchise back into a blue blood franchise? What's your next move? Well, your quarterback situation is a problem, right? Clearly. You paid Daniel Jones all this money, he was average to begin with, and now he's injured. So, that situation, what do you do? Right? The owner's not going to let you cut him. You're going to have to start them next year. The veto clearly is not the answer. One thing I'd have to figure out is a lot of people in Giants land got mad at me. I just reiterated hear, hearing things. Like, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a Big J. I just know a lot of people that know a lot of things. And I pick and choose when I talk about it. And listen, Jay Glazer had brought up Wink Martindale and Brian Dable. It's the longest you know running secret when he said that is the dysfunction inside the Giants' coaching staff so i i first and foremost i got to figure out the brian dayball coaching staff situation i was told by a couple people get ready for a max exodus if these guys can get out of some contracts to leave that building i'm talking assistant coaches so like listen brian dayball had a pretty good year last year coach of the year i was voting for him this year was an embarrassment it really was it was a fucking joke i mean they were getting their ass kicked early in the season like the season was over before it even started so this notion that, like you know, I said it with Brock Purdy, part of being a good coach is every single year. Like Sean McVay, year whatever, seven or eight, no talent, going to be in the playoffs. Like that's a good year. I think we all agree. Sean McVay's good. Every single year. One bad year, well, okay, an outlier. Like for Brian Dayball, was this you year an outlier? Or is this like, is he actually pretty average? I don't know. Wanted to get your take on a topic I thought would have been a massive this season. What do the Dolphins do with Tua? They haven't extended him yet, which makes me wonder whether they are truly committed to him, as McDaniels likes to say. Personally, I'm not blown away by Tua, but his results lately have been pretty good. Well, they couldn't extend him. You know, under, under no circumstances could you extend Tua going into this season. He had to prove that he could play. And he's done that. He's been good. But I, I think these next this next month, this week against the Cowboys, next week against the Ravens, following week against the Bills, and the playoffs, I think you're going to feel good. Like, am I going to give this guy $150 million? Or are we just going to run it back and try to figure it out? And, and I think, Tua, you could argue no player in the NFL, you know, obviously given an injury or whatever, just with his play, has more money on the line over the next, let's say, 28 days. Potentially, you know, 30 if they win a couple playoff games. Because he could make a boatload. Remember that one time Joe Flacco? it's like, I'm going to earn my money. And won the Super Bowl? And they're like, well, shit. If Tua balls out, they win the division. He takes down the Bills in that final game for the division. He wins a playoff game or two, and they're like in the NFC or AFC championship game. That contract Jalen Hurts got, too, is going to get it. Crazy as that would have sounded at the beginning of the year, it's a result-oriented business. Been watching the pod and big-time Lions fan. Wondering what you think they should do with Goff in the future, and how does the team look if he continues to be the starting quarterback? Well, clearly, their offensive coordinator is going to get hired this offseason. So, for the first time since Goff has now been... You know, with the Rams and having success these last couple years, he's gonna have a new guy calling the place. And whether Dan Campbell, you know, takes back over the play calling, whether they hire someone from outside, whether they have a new up and coming guy that is the next Ben Johnson, but I think that's a pretty big question mark. But I think he's gonna be the quarterback for a while. And I think what they gotta ask themselves like, are they gonna extend him this offseason? Would they give him like, you know, a three year ninety million dollar extension? Would he take that? Three years, a hundred million guarantee him 70 80 million dollars or is he thinking another enormous deal like he got years ago uh because i don't think i could do that but i could give him remember what cousins got that lucrative extension a couple years ago in minnesota it was more shorter term if i was the lions i would have to do that is he perfect of course not would you love to upgrade of course you would how are you going to do that maybe Hendon hooker becomes a guy hard to tell he's coming off an acl injury i think he just started practicing But it gives you some leeway. Ideally, you just give him like the Daniel Jones contract. But how is Jared Goff going to sign the Daniel Jones contract? A lot of your listeners ask you about Nick Wright, Brock Purdy take. I just want to clarify that Nick actually says Brock Purdy is good, but gets way too much credit, especially when putting him in the MVP conversation. Jimmy Jimmy G did similar things, even if you don't think it's at the level of Purdy and was never in the NFL MVP conversation. Let's stop right there. Jimmy had one year where he was somewhat similar to Purdy in 2019. And Purdy is dramatically better than Jimmy was that year. And that was by far Jimmy's outlier year. The last two years with Jimmy Garoppolo, he was average as the day is long. Could not hold Purdy's jock. So when I say that, you know, Nick Wright... I'm just saying, these guys never gave him any credit from the beginning. He, he was good the entire time, just like he was good last year. And it was easy to take that stance, but he's always been good. The moment Brock Purdy started playing, he was fucking good. And he's even better this year. And he's dramatically... I've watched every snap uh, the 49ers have had under Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy doesn't have much in common with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he want, even his win-loss record. like Purdy doesn't lose. I mean, he's just, he's just a way better player. Also, I'd say Tua and Purdy are doing relatively the same thing, but Tyreek gets MVP talk. I would say that Purdy is relatively even better than Tua. Tua can't move. Tua's terrible against pressure, right? Tua gets rid of the ball faster than anyone in the NFL. He has to because he can't move. He's sitting duck. You know, Purdy, I think, is like 10th or 9th in that category of getting rid of the football. So I I actually don't think Purdy and Tua have much in common besides being short. And I would say somewhat, you know, not great NFL arms. But I, I, I would disagree with that, that Purdy and Tua do the same thing. Watch Purdy play. Athletically, he's a different animal. He makes a ton of plays on the move that result in touchdowns. Tua cannot do that. He's just, he, Tua's, a, Tua's Jared Goff. He's just short and left-handed. I'm a big Eagles fan. And I've noticed this year that the team has not had a dominant of a running game with what seems to do a lot more of plays getting blown up in the backfield? Could be a lot of things, but is it possible that running the ball exclusively out of the shotgun is becoming predictable on the timing ability for linemen to get downfield? Also, why do you think the coach is refusing to activate Rashad Penny? Line up under center and play more north and south. Would it be too late in the year to make a change like that? Well, your quarterback likes the gun. Your quarterback succeeds in the shotgun. So to me, the offense dramatically changed under Steichen to create what Jalen was good at at Oklahoma, and that is a spread-gun formations. Now, I don't have all the stats. It obviously goes under center for the tush-push, but when you look at the 49ers, for example, or you know what Matt Stafford can do with McVay, I know they, they go a lot of shotgun because they pass the ball a lot, but when LaFleur got to Aaron Rodgers, the run game, the zone running game, when you were under center, allows you a million different looks. And it has proven, with Fleur with Rodgers, Kyle with the 49ers, you know, some of Pete's heyday in Seattle with Marshawn, gun runs have limitations. Your quarterback better be able to fucking slice and dice you. Because if that run is getting stuffed, Peyton Manning loved the shotgun. Well, he could eviscerate you. Aaron Rodgers loved the shotgun. It's why him and LaFleur were like, when Kyle Shanahan got to uh, got to Atlanta, Matt Ryan didn't feel comfortable. He didn't. He wanted the shotgun gun stuff more than under center turning his back to the defense on the play action stuff. But you got to be able to do that for you know because it looks like the run game and the run game is much more successful in my opinion. Always when you're under center, and I like shotgun. I like spreading it out and throwing the ball. But I'm with you. You ha- you are going to have some limitations on the physicality of your run game in the shotgun. Cause just think about it. You're handing him the ball off instead of handing him the ball off with a running start, right? I would rather do outside zone with my quarterback under center running out with the, with the running back, getting a full speed, uh, kind of run down the line, than being a stagnant start. And I don't pretend to be some X's nose guy, but I, I've listened, I've watched Kyle Shanahan and Jim Harbaugh who are great run game guys. And their run game, historically, has been predicated under center. Collegiately, it succeeds because you have better players. In the NFL, like you said, it was Chip Kelly's downfall. His run game ultimately became so soft. because, like he could never beat physical teams. We knew it was coming. And the thing with the Eagles, you guys have a fucking great offensive line. But it gets back to the quarterback. He's comfortable in the shotgun. and Which I don't mind. But it, it, it takes away in other areas. What does Josh Allen need to do to get in the MVP race? Is he the most valuable player in the league? If he was to go down for an extended period of time, would Buffalo go back to the EJ Manuel days? He has a TD turnover ratio of 213.97 as of 12.21.23 is both an elite passer and runner, and raise, yeah, I mean, I think I'd argue right now he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And listen, it's not like I'm trying to diminish Patrick Mahomes. I would have Josh Allen 1A and him 1B just as pure talents the way Josh is playing this year. But I think if they go on a run, win these next three games, and win the division in their 11-6, and 6, and he throws 11-12 touchdowns these last three games and specifically beats Miami Sunday night football to get in, I think he'd have a very, very good shot. Because at one point in time we were talking about the Bills <laughs> – it felt like the the discussion around the Bills, they were going to go 7-10. and 10. They might go 11-6. and six, And they play the Chargers this week. Then they play the Patriots. That Dolphins game, man. Can't wait for that thing. I agree with almost all of your takes. I like this guy. Do you think Kirby Smart, given an NFL opportunity, would take a coaching job in the league? I saw someone today. Who was it? Someone asked one of the college guys if he thought Kirby Smart could be interested in the Atlanta Falcons, and you know I think Kirby w- one year was with Nick Saban in Miami, so he's worked in the NFL before a short stint. Obviously, he runs an NFL level program, just like Alabama or Jim Harbaugh up in Michigan. I- I'd say Ryan Day, but I-, I don't. I would not hire Ryan Day as my NFL head coach even though this year was a much better year than the previous two when it comes to defensively. Uh, but I, I think he just has Chip Kelly soft roots. I, I would say this about Kirby. One of his defining attributes right now, he just had, according to recruiting rankings, the number one class. He is an elite recruiter. Now, he's also at a program you know, that cuts massive fucking checks and has paid a lot of money. I mean, part of the reason the SEC teams and Ohio State are usually always near the top, Miami too, it's like money. This isn't just Rico Suave on on the phone. Obviously, they can promise you to the NFL and all this other stuff, but let's not kid her. Let's not be naive. It's the almighty dollar. I saw Lane Kiffin sign the number one junior college wide receiver. Dude pulled up in a Lamborghini. So, I'm glad that we don't even need to pretend. No more disingenuous Jay Billis. Like, the kids can't eat peanut butter sandwiches. It's like, no, they've been paid brown bags since like the 60s and 70s. Now it's just The cat's out of the bag. We don't even need to fake it. But I I, I think that Kirby's got a pretty special thing going. He makes huge cash. I I think he has a chance to go down as like a Saban level all-time great. He's already got two titles. He's going to be there every single year. His quarterback's coming back. His team's absolutely loaded. Recruiting, he dominates the offensive and defensive lines. If you're going to dominate in those two spots, you're going to just be really good. Georgia's always got skill guys corners wide receivers running backs tight they, they will they can land those guys in their sleep if they're getting the the linemen like that's really what separated Bama in the beginning of Saban's run it was OD ND lines and that's you know for the most part he's star players in those positions and now that's Kirby so I think he's got a pretty good thing going but You never know. Maybe, maybe you're tired of all the recruiting stuff, which I don't think he is. I think he likes it. I think he's clearly pretty good at it. Like, do what you're good at, right? That's why I talk for a living. It's like one of the rare things I can do. Like Kirby, you don't recruit in the NFL. You scheme all night, all day, all season. You scheme, you scheme, you scheme. Your cap guys figure out who you can pay, who you can't, and then you sign guys in free agency and draft whoever lands in your spot. There's no such thing as recruiting. None. It doesn't exist. It's irrelevant right you want to get a coach can you pay him more because if you can't he's not coming the other thing is like in georgia he can steal he needs an offensive coordinator well who's the best offensive coordinator in the country oh notre dame's guy or ucla's guy well i'm gonna pay that guy that's not how the nfl works like Roc's not good enough let's go get the lions guy yeah he's under contract you can't you don't have access to him so i i think he's ideal for his business he's mastered it and sometimes when things are that good keep it rolling to me, the moment you leave, if you're, uh, if you're Kirby, is if you ever get popped, which I don't even. What are the rule There, how are there any rules now? It feels like they're all gone. I can get some feedback. Number one, you turned me on to golf, and thank you for that. I just want to hear some thoughts on Tiger Woods. And number two, for my football question, I'm a Charger fan, season ticket holder, and from San Diego. I understand there was three to four times the amount of people in LA before they left. I listen to the radio religiously and objectively that I understand the Spanos wanted to take the team to LA to raise the value and hopefully sell by 2024 since they started playing at SoFi. I understand they have a 20 year contract with marketing deals and all the other stuff, but if they did ever come back to San Diego or another NFL team would come back to San Diego, do you believe the NFL could flourish here? The NFL has never come back to San Diego. The amount of teams in California will never change. Obviously, the 49ers are gonna be the only team in the Bay Area and you have two teams in Los Angeles that's it o- Oakland's never getting any team ever again and uh, listen San Diego is one of the great American cities Truly is. <laughs> it's just a special place know a lot of people that live down there and always jealous when my girlfriend's best friend lives down there uh, her husband Grant like surfs always at the beach like shit I've, I'm jealous like we hell we don't when I live in Northern California our beaches don't look like they' beaches. Uh, it's just, it's the best, but you're just not getting an NFL team and and the Chargers are never coming back and I don't think they're going to sell. I mean, he's currently getting sued by uh, by his sister, so I, I would doubt that. Been a big 49er fan my whole life. How important do you think the Super Bowl win for Kyle Shanahan is this year, given that he does not have a great track record in the playoffs, never winning the big one? Also, do you think 28-3 to Super Bowl still haunts him? I would say his track record in the playoffs is pretty good. Uh, they won two games last year. They won two games the year before, and in 2019 they won two games. He has six playoff wins as the 49er coach. Six, like it's he, he's been a pretty good playoff coach. Mo- and two years ago in 2021, upset Dallas, upset the Packers in Green Bay, which is I would say Aaron Ro- Aaron Rodgers' worst loss of his career. Worse than Tampa. Worse than Seattle. They, they were like a seven-point favorite at home. That team should have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, they lost. Uh, so I, I I would say he's been successful. Now, the big one. He was not the head coach of 28-3. I've never seen a guy, and I'm not defending Kyle here, but in any situation, in the history of sports, no assistant coach has ever taken the blame off the head man in a championship setting like Kyle Shanahan. It'd be like, Phil Mickelson hitting the ball out of bounds at Wingfoot in the U.S. Open. Lose the U.S. Open on the 18th hole, and we all blame the caddy. The caddy might have handed him the club. Ultimately, it's Phil Mickelson. At any moment, Dan Quinn could have gone on the headset and said, Kyle, run the ball. Kyle's job is just to score points. Now, you could say, hey, he's got to know better. And listen, his record is kind of weird. Never won a game down seven in the fourth quarter with the 49ers. That's wild. (laughs) That's, That's pretty wild. I do think it's Super Bowl or bust. Period, point blank, end of story. Uh, obviously, if they have a purdy injury like last year, that goes out the window. But And maybe not even. I mean, Sam Darnold, could they win games with him? But as we sit here today, Thursday, December 21st, middle of the day, if they if the 49ers do not win the Super Bowl, it's a disaster. It, it really is. Like it, It's not going to get any easier when you look at the landscape of the league his team's not going to get any better. He's got all these great players in their prime. His quarterback's balling. He's balling as a play caller. Um it's it's now or never. It, it really is. He wins this, maybe they go like back to back. He loses this, maybe he's never going to win it. I mean, that's that, that that would be my take. 49ers win this year, that they, they 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 might win it again next year. They lose it this year, fuck. Just maybe Kyle Shanahan's never going to win a Super Bowl. Maybe the only Shanahan Super Bowls will be the father. So yeah, I I think this year is pretty big. Are the Chiefs becoming undervalued? Let's assume Kansas City plays at Baltimore to determine the representative to the AFC or of the AFC. If this scenario takes place, not only do I think the Vegas would favor the Chiefs, but I'm confident the Chiefs would win. My take on why the Ravens are so highly perceived right now is because the Bengals are derailed due to injury and the Bills have to have to be fortune fortunate just to make the playoffs. If both of these teams were having awesome years like expected, the Ravens would be viewed would not be viewed so highly. Casey has the advantage at coach, at quarterback, and at this point maybe even weapons. I don't know if I'd go that far. But I think the game would be like a pickem. If the game's in Baltimore, that that would mean Baltimore's played really well. I I, I think this this Monday night's big. Like are, are is Baltimore real? Can they go in and go toe-to-toe with the 49ers? Can they beat the 49ers? Because if they were to beat the 49ers, then, like, yeah, they're, they're fucking good. Beat the 49ers on the road, Monday Night Football, Christmas Day. Uh, they, they lose by 10, though. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. The Chiefs, I'm not going to feel good. I don't necessarily think the Chiefs are going to make it to the Super Bowl. You won't find me putting my money against the Chiefs in a playoff game. Will not do it. Nope. No chance. <laughs> None. Uh, and Listen. If the Chiefs were like a two or three point underdog on the road in the AFC Championship against the Ravens, you could argue it's one of the great values in the history of the league. Mahomes and Andy Reid. Let's face it. Lamar Jackson, I mean, I've heard, you probably heard all the stats by now. His passer rating and everything in the playoffs has not been good. Now, I do think he's a different guy this year than he's been in the past, but you still got to do it. You still got to do it. Like we all can improve, but eventually, when the lights come on, can you? It's a result-oriented business. And Monday night, fascinating to watch what he looks like. Now, let's running quarterbacks mobile. Kyler Murray always gives the Niners trouble. Actually, a pretty good matchup if your guy can move. So, uh, I think Lamar J- Jackson could have success on Monday night. But if he doesn't, and the team doesn't, then yeah, I think uh, we will look at the Ravens. I, I think the way. We kind of anoint or feel confidently about Baltimore going to the playoffs. will have a lot to do with the next two weeks. 49ers, Dolphins. See how it looks.
0: The Volume. All State wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases that's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/ slash cash. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.